The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, powered by EXP Realty, proudly serving Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties. Call 407-790-9957 or visit WeSellOrlando.net. How's it going, night fans? Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez with you here. Uh, in this midweek, Eric, uh, the NBA playoffs are underway. Baseball's underway. We're in full. And you know what that means, of course. Spring football's right around the corner. <laughs> spring, games, yeah. spring games are happening, baby. <laughs> oh, boy. That's, you know, people have that circle all year round. I know you love spring football. I couldn't think of a sporting event I could detest any more further. Uh, now, now, it's, at least, at least, uh, this is what I respect about UCF is that at least we try to make spring football fun for fans, right? If you say so, okay, I mean, it's fun. <laughs> you know, it's a nice, it's a nice day out, you know. Is it? I mean, I hope it is. Well, yeah, you got concerts, mini golf courses. They have the yard sale that's going on. Yeah. All right. Sounds good to me. Well, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. You've totally bought in. Um, yeah. well, anyway, welcome to the show. Uh, you can hit us up. At, we got a lot to talk. Well, we got plenty to talk about here in terms of the spring uh, sports going on. Uh, we're getting, we got softball. We got baseball to talk about. Um, men's and women's golf are heading down the stretch. Men's and women's tennis are heading down the stretch. We'll also talk, talk a little football, but like developmental football here because, you know, spring football is right around the corner, obviously. But, you know, not much for us to really report on since, you know, you, you don't have access to, um, you know, you know to, to practice, which, you know, is fine as far as our, as far as we're concerned. But uh, some news in Orlando that is UCF related, uh, having to do with uh, professional developmental football. So we'll touch upon that a little bit uh, and uh, and plenty more to talk about. You can hit us up at blackandgoldbanneret.com. That's the home base for all the latest UCF sports analysis uh, and news. Uh, you can hit us up also on Twitter, UCF underscore banneret, facebook.com slash black and gold banneret. Uh, and you can also uh, reach out to us uh, uh, individually on Twitter. I'm at Jeff underscore Sharon. Eric is at Eric Lopez Elo. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to our podcast if you don't already on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and or tune in radio. All right, Elo, let's dive right in. We're going to lead with softball. By the way, Brian Murphy's going to join us in a little bit to talk UCF baseball. We're recording this on Wednesday night, April 18th. Uh, UCF baseball with the victory over Bethune-Cookman midweek, so we're going to get to that. We're going to get to Brian in a little bit once he gets out of finishing up with postgame. But um, let's talk a little softball because uh, UCF softball is uh, coming off another uh, two out of three Um in conference, and then another midweek victory against an in-state uh, opponent. The Knights took three, out, excuse me, two out of three against Memphis. Um, lost on Friday, but uh, but came back with two wins uh, on fr- Saturday and Sunday uh, on uh, Alumni Weekend. Uh, nonetheless, saw a lot of old friends at the park again, uh, and then the Knights off of that got a two-to-one victory over FAU on Tuesday. Uh, a big win, come from behind win. They were down one nothing late and managed to come back. So um, this team is starting to develop a habit of doing this, Eric Lopez, where um, you know, they, they've had some uh, situations where they, um, they may have been down, 
but uh, they, they've had some come-from-behind victories here and there, and I think the FAU game was no exception. Uh, let's talk about the Memphis series first. First of all, uh, like I said, Alumni Weekend. It was fun seeing everybody there. Great weekend, great turnout of alumni. They honored the 2008 Conference USA Championship team on Saturday, which you did a great job doing PA for. Uh, they honored thank the alumni. You, thank, you, thank you. There you go. Janae did the first pitch on Friday. But the cool thing, two things jumps out to me real quick. Pretty cool to see players kind of talk to each other that never met each other or maybe haven't spoken. Like Janae Shinhoster met, talked to Sarah Miller and Stephanie Best. They were on the original 2002 team. They haven't spoken to each other or seen each other in 15 years. Yeah, uh, I found that pretty cool. And then like people like Brittany Solis, who was on the broadcast with me for the FAU game, telling me how she met like some of the 08 members. And uh, that was cool. And then 018 giving a speech to the current team right before the game on Saturday and kind of inspiring. That was pretty cool. Let, let's play from the coach Gillespie in fact her thoughts on the alumni weekend and the success and uh, the impact that has on on the program and on the current team yeah you know I, I love my alumni and they came in and they they had a little talk with the girls before the game on Saturday and, and talking about how they have their backs you know they may not be here but they played on the field they played in those uniforms they, they understand what they're going through and anytime that they get frustrated and think they're all alone realize they have alumni that's there to support them and back in them so you know, thank you, alumni, for coming out and being a part of yeah. this because it made a huge difference on the girls. Hey, happy birthday. There you go. There's Coach Gillespie with her thoughts on the alumni weekend and obviously uh, helping her and the results there, Jeff. So it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Great turnout yeah. uh, by the alumni from different eras. And it was funny because I even talked to some of the former baseball players and uh, even football players that were at the this weekend, and they were telling me they were kind of envious because they don't get that. They don't get a lot of that uh in the other sports that often. So that, that was a cool experience. And uh, I know that, uh, in fact, I know we're going to work on trying to get the inaugural team, the 2002 softball team, uh, maybe for homecoming when UCF plays Navy in football, Jeffrey. And you're going to be invited in that because you're technically, we're going to say, you're going to consider you the uh, part of that inaugural team since you were around for that. Well, I, I was not a part of that inaugural team. I merely I merely did the broadcasts for them on tape. Well, delay, but. That, well, but they, they, if they, so, they, they said that you're invited. They said you're invited. Well, I, so, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that nonetheless. But if that team, if they are able to get that team back together, even if even if it's not this year, if at some point in the future, yeah, it was fun seeing Sarah Miller there. Uh, I hadn't seen her since um, since my freshman year. Of course, Steph and Janae and everybody there. Bree Javier was there. I mean, it was it was a great time. It was it was really a great time. And uh, and UCF got two wins out of three as well. So it was a fun weekend for UCF, and really two big wins against a very good Memphis team that they are neck and neck with in the standings. It really was. It was big, especially after dropping the Friday night game to come back and win the next two games. They have still now never lost to Memphis. They've never lost a conference series to Memphis at home, so that's intact. And the way the weekend played out by winning that series over Memphis, UCF kind of uh, separated themselves a little bit for second place. They're now in second place in the American Conference, two games up on Memphis, two games up on Tulsa, two games up on Houston, and two games up on Wichita State. And keep yeah. in mind, now UCF has tiebreaker edges over Memphis, Houston, and Tulsa. And they play Wichita State this weekend. So that was significant. Significant from a postseason aspirations. Significant from a conference title race. Um, I thought it was big. Sierra Ward, the walk-on, has pitched well in relief in the win on Saturday against Memphis, on alum, uh, where they honored the 018, and pitched well in relief 
in the Tuesday win against FAU. They've needed somebody else to step in and get some innings there and give Ali a bit of a break. I think offensively, certainly Aubrey Johnson has taken her game to a different level. She now leads the team at homers and RBIs. And and really, what a story Aubrey Johnson is, Jeff. Uh, I mean, you know, it's funny. You know, you know, people will say, you know, I'm going to be biased here and whatever, and that's fine. Aubrey Johnson. You're biased. Is, thank you. Well, I've gotten already complaints from college softball fans when I came out with my first projections on Fast Pitch News that I'm biased because I have UCF as one of the last four in. Um, but, you know, you know, what are you going to do? Um, Never. Go read somebody else. <laughs> even though I had facts to back it up why I have them in. But whatever. Let's ignore that. Um, power, you know. And, of course, it's typical power five people that are all, you know, what do you do? You know, they haven't played anybody. Well, you guys don't beat anybody. But anyway, <laughs> the Aubrey Johnson is a credit to the coaching staff because I will be for completely honest with you. A year ago, Aubrey Johnson was a freshman that quite frankly struggled. Uh, it was a major adjustment for her going from Muskogee, Oklahoma. It's a small town in Oklahoma to Orlando, Florida, your new university, you're meeting new people. And you know, it was, it was a bit of an adjustment for her. She hit 185 for the year at times struggled uh, defensively, and quite frankly, there were people that that wondered if she was, you know, would she be cut out for Division One? And the staff, to their credit, uh, said yes, she is. She just needs the reps, she needs the experience, and she'll figure it out. And to her credit, and to the staff's credit, they both worked hard. She worked hard in the off season. The staff believed in her, and they've developed her. They've developed her, and that's what coaching's about. And now all of a sudden, you've turned. She's a kid that's a 185 hitter last year has turned into an All Conference slash Player of the Year candidate in the American Conference. That's how good she is right now. Uh, it's a remarkable story. It's a, a tremendous credit to how good this coaching staff is in developing players, and it's a credit to Aubrey for the hard work that she's put in and has made the you know. Is figured out. I thought last year she looked at times like the game was too fast for her. That's not the case anymore. And she made the great defensive play on Tuesday's win to start a uh, a four two three double play to win the game. She's been tremendous at the plate. She has been a uh, rock solid and uh, really has helped this night's office. She was explosive three for three on Sunday in the win against Memphis with a home run. She's become a stud. That's why she's hitting in the three spot. And what they've done is they've they're hitting her behind Cassidy Brewer mm-hmm. because teams are pitching around Brewer. Brewer leads the conference with twenty seven walks. So Johnson now is the one that's kind of getting the pitches, and she's making teams pay. And all of a sudden, that's made the offense better. So uh, credit to Aubrey for the incredible year that she's having, and a credit to the coaching staff. That's why they're coaches, and that's why us fans don't know what we're talking about because they know what they they know the personnel, they know what they have, and they know, hey, you know what? Yeah, she's taking her lumps maybe, but this is going to pay off in the long run, and it has definitely paid off that Aubrey Johnson, who is just a sophomore, uh, is having an amazing year and helped this team right get to where they're at right now, which is second place, one game back of USF for first place in the league. Well, Aubrey this year um – is hitting three forty four, which you, you said she said she hit one eighty five. I actually look I, I th- that must have been the conference stats because I looked at her last year. Um, or, uh, last year, last year her her career stats say one seventy six. So I believe it. No, fair. All okay. right, that's fair. So th- that yeah. means she's doubled her average from last year. <laughs> she leads the team in hits with forty two, uh, home runs with seven. Caitlin Jensen has six. Cassidy Brewer has five. Leads the team in RBI with 27 and has a 557 slug percentage, which is also best on the team. So, um, so yeah, you're right. She has come around in a big way for UCF. Um, and and I, 
came out of nowhere, really, I think, as well. So she, what a weekend she had um, for UCF. And, and, you know, we talked about this, you know, this FAU game, by the way, was, uh, was one of those situations where it just seemed like, you know, things just weren't going UCF's way. FAU was getting, um, was taking care of business on defense, and all of a sudden, a couple big hits in a row, and bam, UCF's up 2-1, to one, and Aaliyah White comes in and closes it out for the Knights' 30th victory uh, of the season. So that puts the Knights at 30-16 and 16 on the year. And so I will put it to you, Eric Lopez, um, with them at right now at 30-16, and 16, um, and they have three games coming up against Wichita uh, State at Wichita State this week. Another another one of those four teams in the middle of the conference at six and six in the league right now. USF still leads the conference at nine and three. UCF in second at eight and four. Um, and then you have Memphis, Houston, Tulsa, Wichita all at six and six. This is not going to be easy. Playing at Wichita State is just weird. It's going to be super windy um, uh, out there in in the plains of Kansas. First year in the conference for Wichita. What do we know about them coming in? We know they're really good. They have an RPI of 34. They have finished just knocking off Oklahoma State to complete a two-game sweep this year against Oklahoma State, who's the second-best team in the Big 12. They have beaten Arkansas, who might be a host team in the SEC. Uh, They're a top-16 team, top-20 team in the country. They've taken two out of three at Nebraska. This this is a legitimate team with explosive offense. They're number one when it comes to home runs in conference games. If that win's blowing out, they're going to hit home runs. They got a good lefty pitcher, and like this will not be an easy series. This is a big series for UCF, and not only for the conference race, but postseason aspirations. Because the thing is, the American Conference, and I and I've, and I've I've made I've really made a point out of really mentioning this at all times, not only on the UCF broadcast that I do, but also on the Fast Pitch News Softball podcast that I do, and on the articles I'm written. I just did my first projections. The American Conference. I'm going to say this again is the number four conference in college softball right now. Number four. Yeah. Better than the ACC, better than the Big Ten. And I would argue if you take out Oklahoma from the Big 12, the American Conference is probably better than the Big 12 this year. Now, obviously, Oklahoma being a part of it, you you can't take them out. But the point you get the point. The point is this league's really good. And they're really stacked. And it's teams like Wichita State, which has been an incredible addition to the league. Again, Bicaresco. The national media, the mainstream want to focus on the men's basketball, rightfully so. But the impact goes beyond men's basketball. It goes into volleyball, which you saw up close, what the impact they did in volleyball, where they're, what, top 25 team in the country in volleyball uh, and won the league in their first year. Baseball, their baseball program's very good. They've been a top 25 team some uh, most of the year. This softball team, I would argue, is a top 25 team that they have there. So this is going to be a challenge, but it's also an opportunity for UCF because their RPI is 56 You'd like to be in the 40s to really feel good about it. And UCF, Jeff, it's going to be interesting. They might be the most controversial team come Selection Sunday if they don't win the conference, uh, the league, because UCF has tremendous wins. They have wins over Florida, Long Beach State, Hofstra. They got two wins at Houston, three wins against Tulsa to this point, eight wins against the top 50, 12 wins against the top 100. It's all good. The negative is they also have – 
uh, probably a bit too many. I think they have like eight losses against teams 100 or worse, and they have two losses against teams 200 or worse. Yeah. So they're kind of the inconsistent, typical young team that's capable of beating good teams, but they've also dropped some games they probably shouldn't have. Now, injuries played a role in that. So Weather played a role in the UConn games. Oh, wow. That's not even a, that, without question. That hurt them. Uh, you're right. That probably could cost them the conference title. But so the question is, from the committee standpoint is, are they going to put UCF in because of the quality wins that they have, which is very good, or do they punish them for the bad losses? And we don't know that. So how can UCF help their cause? You look at their next six games, which are all on the road. Wichita State, I mentioned, they're in the th- mid-30s RPI. I think they're 34. USF is 37. Six games on the road. You win, let's say, four out of six in that, your, your RPI, your resume skyrockets even further and obviously, you, may, you maintain your chances at the conference title. That's what's at stake here. If they can win some of those games, they can really uh, in, enhance their resumes. If they don't, then they may have to win the conference tournament to get in or at least make a deep run. So that's what's at stake. Easier said than none. I agree with you. It's definitely a concern with the weather. With I believe when I as we recorded this, I think they'll be fine on Friday, although there's going to be about 20-mile-an-hour winds to deal with. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, for, for we were actually considering me going up to Wichita to broadcast. Uh, they told us that uh, there was limited media space, and so they was going to be putting me outside. Outside by, behind Oak You have Blight. fun with that. <laughs> well, I'm not going, So because uh, for other reasons. But, yeah, that mainly weather was. I believe it's about a 100% chance of rain on Saturday, which means they may have to play a doubleheader once again, Jeff, at some point this weekend, whether it be Friday or Sunday, which means somebody other than Aaliyah White is going to have to throw some quality innings yeah. against a very explosive Wichita State team that UCF is going to have to keep inside the park. They cannot get into a home run derby against Wichita State or they will lose. Well, Friday, it's going to be cloudy and windy. Saturday, it's going to be rainy and windy. Sunday, it's going to be sunny and windy. So. Um, wind, maybe wind, wind all the time. Yeah, but now, now okay. Here's the other thing I did want to point out, and I think, and you hinted upon this, but I, I still think this bears repeating because it's it's still unbelievable to me. Wichita State right now sitting at twenty four and seventeen overall, six and six in the American, third from last in the conference, has the highest RPI in the conference. They're at thirty four. Yeah. USF, who's in first place, is at 37. Um, let's see. Uh, you mentioned UCF's uh, a, a 56. RPI, uh, at 56. Houston's at 45. Tulsa's at 49. UCF's at 56. So yeah. beat Wichita, you move up. If you're UCF, 56, two yep. wins on the road against a team ranked 20 spots ahead of you. Yep. I mean, that's a big opportunity for UCF right there. So. The next two weekends, it's going to really tell. I think at the end of these six games, we're going to know if this team is an NCAA tournament team or if they need a lot of work in the conference yeah. tournament to yeah. make the NCAA tournament. So that's what's at stake for this young team uh, the next two weeks. By the way, 30 wins. You mentioned that. They already surpassed their win total from last year, which they wow. had 29. So, yeah, so there you go. So um, the three games against Wichita State will be uh, – the, the links to watch them are on the Wichita State uh, yep. from the Wichita State site. So if you go to UCFnights.com, you'll be able to click in and watch those. No, and they do a pretty good job. They yeah, do they a pretty do. good job. They do a very good job. Uh, so that's that they got a good team video and stuff. So that's very it's worth it. No midweek game for UCF softball this week. Then they go right. To, they go from Wichita State, come back home. Yep. Then they go right to Tampa for uh, three against USF, 
Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Those are going to be very huge depending upon what happens uh, this week. Who's USF have this week, Eric? Do you know? East Carolina. They go to East Carolina this weekend. Okay, ECU's 5-7 and seven in the league. So Very capable to hit home runs out of the park. You're, if you're a UCF fan, you're rooting for East Carolina to pull the upset there a little bit. If you're if and you're UC, you're also hoping UCF's one game back going into this weekend. Honestly, if they could stay one game back somehow by the end of the weekend, you take it just based on the fact that on paper USF has an easier matchup than UCF. If you're UCF, you're hoping it comes down the next weekend in Tampa. You take two out of three, you're in, you end up being tied for first place going to the final weekend of the regular season. UCF would host East Carolina. USF would host Wichita State, cool. edge UCF in that regard. So just from a math standpoint, if you're thinking conference title, um, I think if you're UCF, the goal is to stay at least one game back at the end of this weekend. If you fur- if you fall further back, that's going to be hard to catch up. Yeah. All right. So that's going to be big to watch there with UCF. Again, 7 p.m. Friday, first game against Wichita State, 3 p.m. Saturday, 1 p.m. Sunday out in Wichita. All right, let's move over to baseball. Brian Murphy joins us now. Spokes underscore Murphy in your program. Number one in your hearts, as always. Um, Brian, uh, UCF, well, actually, you're you're in your car right now, driving back from uh, UCF defeating Bethune-Cookman midweek. Um, final tally, uh, well, it was 7-1, uh, seven, seven to one, I thought I saw there. Yep. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. So, um, yeah, well, it, well. That's that's exactly what you're supposed to do when you play Bethune Cookman midweek. So um, UCF coming off of two out of three against Cincinnati, including the eleven to two victory on Saturday. Um, Sunday came up short nine to six. Um, here's the situation I'm looking at: um, is that you know they're now twenty six and twelve, six, but six and six in the conference. Uh, you have three teams tied at the top at seven and five: USF, Houston, Cincinnati. Um, could have, you could have put a real dent in Cincinnati if you won that Sunday game, but um, but they didn't. So ECU, UConn, five and four um, are numbers four and five in the league, and then UCF is in sixth right now. So um, again, I pose this question to you: Do we panic yet, or no? It wouldn't be a black and gold bed red podcast unless Jeff Sharon. No, if I'm, asked, if I'm not panicking, we're going to panic. Listen, if I if I'm not panicking about something, we should just re-record the whole show because it's just <laughs> because I, I always panic about something. Jeff, you just gave the standings, right? And like you can you can see the logjam there. I know, and certainly I know. You got to hop. You got to hop a lot of teams, but you're one back in the loss column, my boy. I know, but but see, here's the problem: is that. That Sunday game against Cincinnati, I wanted to see this team just, you know, stomp on their throats, and they didn't do it, and that's what's yeah. got me worried. I understand, you know, like it's sort of like, um, and you know, I hate to go a little off script here, but with like the Mets, if, if you saw the Mets Nationals game two days ago, the Mets blew a game they should have beaten the Nationals. Uh, in in New York, the Nationals have haunted them for years. Came back and and were down six to one, and Nationals came back and won the game nine to six. And everyone's like, that could be a real big turning point for the Mets. I mean, and then they come back tonight and they won coming from behind. Um, so I think it gets a little blown out of proportion a little bit. Baseball is a very sort of random, uh, variable sport. Uh, I understand like that loss on Sunday was pretty bad. Like you're up five runs in the eighth and you let it go at home. 
that's that's not good even at this juncture at this juncture in the season but that doesn't you know that doesn't foretell all of a sudden they're going to go into a slump uh, or they they're going to be haunted by that loss and I don't think I'm going to write that narrative of like, well, they lose two out of three to USF. It's because they lost Cincinnati on Sunday. Um, they might lose two out of three to USF, but it's because USF probably played better than them. Uh, nothing really to do with Cincinnati. But let me ask you this, Murph. Let me counter this yeah. with this. I, I, I'm not concerned about, you know, I don't think it's panic time or anything like that. But I will say this. You follow this team much closer than I do. But I was listening to the game on Sunday on the way back from softball. And the bullpen blew the game. Uh, Bryce yep. Tucker was not good. And I nope. feel like maybe I'm a, you could correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like in every series we've had one of those games where the bullpen has coughed up the game, and Bryce Tucker has not been as good as he was last year when he was an All American closer. Uh, how well, concerned are you about this bullpen moving forward? Because it seems they can't. There's a game every game. It seems a game in a conference play that they cough it up, and that could be the difference between making the tournament or winning the conference and and making the NCAA's or missing the tournament. Yeah, I mean, and we'll talk about it like, you know, UCF is on the precipice, on the cusp of, of these conference or these NCAA tournament projections. They are right there among the cut line. So, yeah, you lose a game. It could decide whether they're, they're in or out uh, at the end of the year. But this is a 15-minute conversation that we really don't have time for. But actually, Bryce, look, Bryce has been more erratic this year. He's, he's had some more walks this year. But his ERA is still in the low twos. Um, he's still very good. Uh, he's actually been better. I thought he's been, I thought, I thought he has been better recently in the last few weeks than he was before that when he was a little more rocky. Now, again, does he work himself into jams? Yeah, he kind of does. Um, he didn't get out of it Sunday. Um, but he got out of it against Miami. Uh, he got out of it, uh, Friday against Cincinnati and, uh, and actually was not great tonight. They, they used him tonight because Lovelady said he, they didn't want him to be sitting around for four to five days. Uh, now, so he has pitched four of the last five games. Eric Heppel's pitched four of the last five games. Um, but, but uh, you know, I trust Lovelady. He knows how to handle his relievers, certainly guys who have been here more than a year. Um, and Bryce has been fun. Bryce has actually been pretty good. Um, Heppel's been – Heppel has been really good if you take out two really bad outings that were weeks ago. Um, he's been extremely good. There have been some guys who have fallen back a little bit. Uh, Garrett Westberg seems to have hit a bit of a wall um, coming from C- Tacoma G- Community, uh, Community College last year. Um, has, was great. Was really uh, was really a surprise early in the year, and he seems to have backtracked a little bit. May have hit a little bit of a wall here at D1. But the bullpen overall has been good. I do have fairly big pitching news on this team. It has nothing to do with the bullpen. It is this: uh, Joe Sheridan will not start this weekend. Uh, hmm. Joe Sheridan. Oh. Yeah. So Joe, uh, had, has had some control issues and, you know, before the Yukon series or no, excuse me, that Yukon series, I think he watched like, he watched like six batters and then he had a, a four walk start, uh, not, not that far before that start at Yukon. So there were some, some, a lot of walk issues. And then uh, people were like, well, or love lady kind of wrote off that Yukon start because it was frigid and said, well, you couldn't feel the ball. Well, that's great until last Friday against Cincinnati. He had no feel for anything. Couldn't spot anything. Um, that sinker was sinking in the dirt. And it was not throwing over strikes at all. And Lovelady sounded concerned. That was last Friday. So we come back tonight. He says that Joe's not injured, but they're going to give him the weekend off starting. They may use him in relief, but they're going to use Cree Finfrock, uh, who pitched five no-hit innings at Miami, to start on Friday and then use Chris Williams on Saturday and J.J. Montgomery on Sunday. Of course, that Friday start 
against USF will probably come against Shane McClanahan, who, uh, although has been erratic and not quite as good recently, uh, is still probably going to be one of the top 10 picks, maybe top five picks in the MLB draft. Not bad, though, when you can uh, you know, plug a guy in like uh, Finfrock into the rotation as a backup when one of your guys goes down. Um, mm-hmm. This is a, so all right. So Rylan Thomas hits another home run tonight. Uh, yep. He now has. Uh, hang on, I'm pulling up the stats right. Now. He now has. Was it ten, is ten homers on the year leads the team. Um, yeah. But the story from the weekend was Tyler Osick. What a weekend he had, mm-hmm. and he is uh, he's actually uh, come into his own uh, just rec- uh, in, in the last few weeks. I think with the bat as well, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, very deserving uh, American Conference Player of the Week. Uh, when you drive in 14 RBIs in five games, that's not bad. And I know RBIs is a very dependent stat upon you know the guys that get on in front of you, but you still got to get them in. And uh, he homered in every game this past weekend. Uh, didn't do much tonight against against uh, Bethune Cookman, but really just one of those weeks where it's like you just couldn't get him out, and everything he hit was just line drives. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, he hit some balls hard tonight. I think he did have a double now that I'm remembering tonight. Um, but yeah, he's been outstanding. And, and, you know, this offense has its ups and downs. Um, you know, obviously now we know what this offense is and right now it's, you know, Ryland gets a lot of the pub. He deserves it. I mean, he's just been incredible. Uh, Tyler Osick has really come into his own. Uh, Matthew Micah, you remember guys early in the year, Matthew Micah was really scuffling. They moved him down from the leadoff spot to down in the order, and he's really gotten comfortable. He's hitting about 360 in the middle of the lineup since, uh, I think, the first week and a half of the year. Uh, and Ray Alejo has been hot in conference. Uh, Dallas Beaver at three hits tonight. He's batting leadoff. The bottom of the lineup is kind of a question mark. Like, what are you going to get out of Brandon Hernandez at short offensively? Uh, you know, what are you going to get out of right field, which has kind of been a revolving door between Brody Wofford and tonight it was Max Wood. And it's 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 not great. Um, but the the top five guys in this lineup have really kind of really all sort of livened up recently. And it, it gives this team hope because we know how good this team can be pitching wise. I mean, we talk about Sheridan and Chris Williams has been outstanding, kind of underratedly so. J.J. Montgomery has has pitched better than the last two starts. Then you've got Fenfrock and also have Thad Ward, um, who who might uh, who might pitch Friday after Fenfrock if he can't go more than four or five innings. Uh, they're all very good. The bullpen's very good. Uh, it's how much can they score? And the, the top five, the top half of this lineup has been collectively great. Obviously led by Thomas, but it's not just him. And then the the thing is, well, how much are they going to get from guys six through nine? And I think that's. That's a question that, that they're going to need to be answered here in the next few weeks. Yeah, especially when you consider uh, – oh, go ahead, Eric. I'm sorry. Well, uh, the, here's the thing. My question to you, though, you know, with that in mind, you're going to USF. They got swept there last year. USF's coming off winning two out of three against East Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's top, top ten. Yeah, top yeah. ten in the nation in East Carolina. I mean, how what what's kind of your thoughts here in this pivotal series? It's a big rivalry series, but it's big from a postseason app. Uh, you know, the conference race, NCAA tournament implications. You look at the league, an RPI standpoint. UCF, if you go to Warren Nolan at the time of this recording, their RPI is fifty-seven. USF's twenty-five, so that's mm-hmm. a really big opportunity. You look at the rest of the schedule. Wichita State's a thirteen RPI. Houston, surprisingly, only one twenty-three RPI. Um, Cincinnati's 158. That's why that Sunday loss that 
uh, really hurts because that's an RPI 158 loss there. Tulane's only 116. Uh, Memphis, yeah. who they dropped the game, is 222. My point is, uh, you know, that, that they need to take opportunities here to get these marquee wins. This is a league that D1 baseball, for example, has got projected for four teams in the field, uh, with East Carolina as a possible host. Uh, and Connecticut really high-ranked uh, as well as a possibility of a host team. In fact, there have been some discussions that if Connecticut were to host, that one of the proposals would be for them to host at Fenway Park. Get out of here. Uh, for the regional. Awesome. No, I'm not making that up. D1 Baseball has actually been writing about that. Uh, I, so that, that's been in the conversation that if UConn were to be in a position to host, that they would host in Fenway Park because, as we have learned uh, from past episodes, uh, their current facilities cannot host. <laughs> um <laughs> So that's one of the things they're trying to work on. Uh, and then USF, by winning two out of three against East Carolina, has gotten themselves into the field, for, at least for now, and projected. So I think it's just a, this is a big series. This is a big series. And to me, with all due respect to whatever, the spring game and whatever they want to say about this is a marquee of weekend. This is the marquee UCF event of the weekend right here. It's USF baseball, and I think this is a big, big series. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I've gotten, uh, you know, some playful flack from, let's say, other member of another rival UCF podcast for always saying it's early. <laughs> there's no reason to panic. Uh, and it, it has been like, you know, there have been times where people have wanted to write this team off when they lost to UConn or lost to Memphis. And it's like, no, it's still too early. And there's still a lot of baseball left. Well, it's, it's not now, especially because of the opponent and it's on the road. And there's such a log jam in this conference. Like, it's not just that USF is seven and five. It's that you need these wins against good teams who are in front of you, period. And uh, like you said, they don't have a ton of uh, like Tulane's not great. Uh, Houston doesn't have a, a tr tremendously high RPI. So as far as in-conference big wins, this is one of their last few chances to do it. Um, I know the Warren I-4 is meaningful, uh, maybe not as much in baseball, but still it's got some gravitas. Um but overall, I don't really care. It's a great, it's a big series, and they they probably they they let's just say let's just be frank and say they need to win two out of three. They yeah. really do, and I'm I'm curious to see what happens on Friday because with McClanahan going, he's been erratic or effectively wild because he's walked a lot of guys without giving up a ton of runs. But if 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 you know him going at Finfrock is still still a clear advantage for USF. And um, if if you if UCF can't steal that game, they're going to need to win Saturday and Sunday. I think this is a critical weekend for them to win a series. Well, it's going to be a tough. Uh, it's going to be a tough, particularly for the uh, pitching staff for UCF, as we know, because this is a USF team that comes in number one in team batting in the American. USF is or UCF is fourth in that category, whereas <laughs> UCF is first in team pitching. So the uh, unstoppable force meets the immovable object this uh, this week in. Uh, in college baseball so uh all right so that's what we're going that's what we're going to be looking at here this coming week with uh that bethune cookman win at least, you know at least they got that one in the bag the friday game is at 7 p.m saturday game is at 6 30 uh and sunday is at one uh interestingly enough on the schedule it says the saturday game at 6 30 is scheduled to be broadcast on uh 96.9 the game and 7 40 um, but that's across from the spring game. I don't know what the I don't know what the plan is there. But uh, yeah, we got to look into that because I'm actually interested in tuning into. I mean, I think it's a big series. I mean, you look at the next yeah. six games. All right, they go to USF this weekend, 
and then host Wichita State next weekend, which has an yeah. RPI of 13. I think, Murph, don't you – let me ask you this. Do you think at the end of these next six games we'll know what this team is as far as – is it an NCAA tournament team? Is it a conference title contender? Or is it a team that's going to have to maybe uh, go deep into the conference tournament to make the NCAA? Do you think the next six games will – after these six games – We'll know where we stand with this team. Yeah, I agree. What's what? What? What date is next? What date is next Sunday? So today's that the is 18th, April twenty ninth. So, April twenty ninth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. By the by the evening of April twenty ninth, we will know exactly what this team is. Even though we've got a few more conference series after a couple more conference series after that, and a conference and a series against Oklahoma, we will know what this team and their future is by the next Sunday evening. Yes. Cool. Now, right. now the good news is the good news is give Love Lady credit for this. The weekend of May 11th through the 13th, UCF's hosting Oklahoma. Oklahoma yeah. is one of the top teams in the Big 12. Their RPI is 34. That's very smart to schedule a marquee series on your bye week in conference. Yeah, that could that could help the resume too. I mean, that's if they you know that that's a big series as well so we're this is going to get very interesting you look at the homestand here coming up Wichita State FAU believe it or not 18 yeah. RPI yeah, May good. 1st Tuesday it's a midweek big game in fact they have a home and home with FAU uh Oklahoma and then how about this they go to Jacksonville May 15th Jacksonville has an RPI of 28 um yeah. that surprises me that's it's a good year for baseball so, in the state of Florida. <laughs> I know, you know, it always is. Though, and, and love ladies talked about it. I mean, everybody's good in the league and in the state. But I think from a conference standpoint and from a postseason standpoint, I, the next six games, I think we'll have a good idea where this team is at and where we think they could be. Cool mm-hmm. stuff. All right, Murph, uh, tell us what you got coming up this week. All right, so uh, going to have a UCF baseball notebook article uh, come out uh, Thursday night or Friday morning. Hopefully, the Thursday night. Um, you know, I had I had basically put together all the parts I needed for a Bryce Tucker feature in the preseason, and then I pushed <laughs> and then I pushed it back a little bit, and then the season started and he wasn't very good. So I was like, well, now I don't know when I'm gonna when I'm gonna publish this thing. And but recently he's been better. And then you had Headbutt Gate, uh, which sort of just added another <laughs> level to it. So that'll Amazing. be coming that. Yeah, so that will also come out uh, this weekend, and I will be at Saturday spring game instead of being in Tampa, and oh. I will I will let you know, or I will write an article about things we learned about UC football this spring. We we need to know. We need a full report on the food trucks, <laughs> and and a review of the uh, of the concert uh, of the two concerts that they're having as well. Switch. But which, by the way, I told I told, uh, you know, I was I think that what UCF does with all that stuff outside the stadium is a great idea for spring game. But, you know, anyway, that's that's a conversation that's far afield for you. All right. Brian Murphy talking UCF baseball with us. Thank you, Brian. Uh, Spokes underscore Murphy on Twitter and uh, follow his stuff on black and gold banneret dot com as always. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Jeffrey. All right. And uh, stick around. Lopez and I will be right back. We're going to have a little bit more on golf a little bit more on tennis and we're going to talk about developmental league football and why it's good for ucf uh coming up uh, coming up in a little bit with uh, steve spurrier's announcement that he's the head coach of the orlando franchise in the uh, alliance of american football which will be playing at spectrum stadium so stick around the black and gold banneret podcast is back after this 
The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, powered by EXP Realty. Sam Unger and his team proudly serve Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties, specializing in buying, selling, and new construction. Sam is a proud UCF graduate, class of 2006, and he's such a dedicated Knight fan that right now, if you work with him as your realtor, he will donate a portion of his commission to the UCF Football Excellence Fund in your name. So if you're ready to buy a new home or sell your current home, upgrade or downsize, Sam and his team have you covered so you can find the right home at the right price in the right location. So give him a call right now at 407-790-9957. Again, that's 407-790-9957. Or visit on the web at WeSellOrlando.net. Again, that's WeSellOrlando.net. You can also reach them on Facebook at Facebook.com slash WeSellOrlando. Get in touch with the Unger Real Estate Group today and make finding your dream home a reality. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Strelko. Um, uh, um, where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of those guys. You know, Nightline has UCF sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on. Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez with you. Blackandgoldbanneret.com is where you can find us. Uh, also, UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter. Facebook.com slash Gold. Banneret. All right. Uh, we're getting to the um, championship season for the spring sports, Elo, because it's mid-April, uh, and golf and tennis are coming down the home stretch. Uh, so let's start with golf. Women's golf uh, was in Palm Coast this past weekend for the American Athletic Conference Championship. It was held at uh, Hammock Beach Resort Conservatory Course up in Palm Coast. So uh, remember, they're the defending champs. Um, didn't come out as the champions this year, UCF finishing tied for second with East Carolina at plus 20 as a team. Houston was the champion. They went wire to wire plus six overall. Um, but still, it's the fourth time in five years that UCF has finished in the top two in the American championships. They had two strong uh, 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 performances up at the top. Kaylee Jones finished in fifth place, uh, finished minus one. The, the individual champion, by the way, was... Taryn Torgerson of uh, Wichita State. Um, she finished at minus five. Uh, but Kaylee Jones finished in fifth for UCF. Maria Balcazar um, with a strong finish, uh, a 70 in the final round, uh, finished at plus four. I should, I should note that Kaylee Jones uh, shot a 69 in the final round after going 71-75 in the first two. Uh, Anna Laura Collado finished uh, top 20 at plus 10. Uh, and uh, Chinatsu Kobayashi finished at plus 11 um, at, uh, in 22nd place. So a um, uh, pretty good finish for um, UCF here. Now they await, I mean, for an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament. Um, Emily Marin, of course, another outstanding year for UCF. And this is a pretty good 
uh, UCF women's golf team that uh, we're, we're expecting to hear. Uh, I couldn't find the exact date when they're going to release the field, but it's going to be pretty soon. Last year it was in the last week of April. So, um, so congrats once again to uh, UCF women's golf. And Emily Marin, have you met Emily before, Eric? Yes. Yeah, I met Isn't her. Isn't she amazing? The, uh... Yes, yes. I met her. What was it? Was that the coaches? Uh, the thing they do with the coaches? Yeah, the, the tour uh, in the uh, summer. Yeah, yeah. That's what I met her. I got a chance to talk to her. So, yeah, yeah. Very good, positive, uh, enthusiastic, uh, for sure. Passionate for the game, absolutely. And so, a hopefully hell of a coach. Can... Just a hell of a coach. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully they make the tournament and yeah, and uh, kind of make some noise there. But, uh, you know, that tournament going on and uh, give credit where credit is due. You know, second place finish, pretty good. Yeah. Men's and, golf. hey, more importantly, the most important, by the way, yeah. by finishing second, they locked up the Warren I-4 trophy. That's right. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't – I can't believe I forgot that. But, but that's true. Now, this is the second consecutive year that, uh, that they have – that women's golf is the ones who finished off the I-4, the Warren I-4 trophy because they did it last year when they won the team championship. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, they, uh, UCF clinches the Warren I-4 all sports trophy for the second consecutive year, and uh, so far, um, they, they've won it. Like I said, yeah, they won it both years. The football trophy is split one one so far, but um, you know, since they started the trophy, I don't know if they do it retroactively. Do they do it retroactively? I don't think so. But anyway, um, it is the uh, since they started the all sports trophy, UCF has won it both times. So, uh, and they did it in rather convincing fashion. So, um, just another feather we can put in our caps this year. Uh, for UCF, uh, men's golf, um, they have the American Athletic Conference tournament coming up. Um, their schedule shows it's on the 22nd through the 24th uh, at Palm Harbor uh, in Palm Harbor, Florida. Um, they're coming off a, a ninth place finish at the Boilermaker Invitational in West Lafayette, Indiana. Um, but now they prepare for the big uh, conference tournament there. So. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye on Bryce Waller and company this coming week, uh, starting Sunday, Monday, and uh, Tuesday. By the way, Division One men's golf rankings, UCF right now uh, is actually unranked. Uh, I'm going to pull up the women's golf rankings here because um, this should give us a little bit of insight into, um, into, where, they, into where they are. At least right now. In golf week, uh, wow, okay, they're not ranked there either. So, um, oh. Yeah, so that's a surprise. Uh, at least to me it is, because they've had a pretty good season so far. So we'll see how the uh, tournament shakes out. All right. So that wraps up golf. Just wanted to give you the update on that. Keep an eye on uh, UCF underscore golf. By the way, if you follow them on Twitter, great follow. Um, and uh, and it's one Twitter handle for both of the golf teams. So UCF underscore golf for all the latest from UCF golf. Uh, tennis. All right. Um, I want to start first with women's tennis. Because they um, finished their season with a 4-1 win at Wichita State this past Sunday, uh, coming off of a loss at Tulsa 4-2. But they are uh, now headed to the American Athletic Conference Championships in Dallas. um, And they are playing Thursday, uh, April 19th, against Tulane. So this is starting, we're recording this on Wednesday. They're starting this uh, the following day. So by the time you hear this, you'll probably know um, that that it's time for them to actually get started. Um, so, uh, yeah, so the American Athletic Conference tennis tournament is going to get underway there. Um, and then, uh, the men's team also has their draw for the, uh, men's, for the men's tennis championships in Dallas 
They start on Friday, uh, and they play Tulsa uh, at 1 p.m. on Friday. So we have women's tennis Thursday at 1 against Tulane, men's tennis Friday at 1 against Tulsa. Women's tennis obviously comes in one of the favorites in the American at 18-3 and three overall, finishing the regular season. Men's tennis has a bit of an uphill climb. They finished the season 10-9, and nine, the regular season, Eric. But you found some pretty interesting uh, stuff on their uh, college tennis rankings about them, Eric. Yeah, there's a site that actually keeps track and does projections uh, as far as teams in the postseason and uh, they believe UCF's right on, literally on the bubble. They are right in the bubble. The the loss to USF, who's kind of had a disappointing. It's kind of been weird this year. USF, UCF, both down in tennis. Mm-hmm. Lots of youth, I think, part of that. Uh, but you know, I, I and nonetheless, with that loss, I think it hurt UCF. They're right on the bubble line, and I think yeah. depending on that site, by the way, is co- that, uh, sorry, Eric. That uh, site, by the way, you mentioned was College Tennis Ranks. Dot com. I just yeah. wanted to get that in. CollegeTennisRanks.com. And so, for example, they actually have a projection of the field of the NCAA tournament. Um, and they have, at the time of this recording, UCF as the last team in. <laughs> hmm. and, and then and the way he has it on the site, it's UCF and then there's that line right underneath right. that with Big Virginia. red line. <laughs> right. And Vir- the thing that's nervous in talking to people that follow this a lot more is like Virginia right now is the last team out there. I think they're the defending national champions, I believe. Um, so some people are skeptical that Virginia is going to get left out. So UCF's got a lot of work to do. They got to they got to get some wins here uh, win that try to win the tournament. Don't leave it up to the committee. Uh, that's definitely a concern. And I think they may they I think if they lose early in the tournament, that might be all she wrote uh, yeah. for that ball club. So I, that's a big tournament for them. The women are going to get in. The women are going to get in, which will be the first time since 2002, which is remarkable to say. Uh, so what a year they have had. I don't know if anybody anticipated that. Um, and the thing that I'm curious about is, you know, right now they're ranked 21st in women's co- according to college tennis ranks. They're safely in. They're going to be in. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if there was a chance that maybe they would host. It doesn't appear that that's the case. According to college tennis ranks, the belief is – is that Florida is going to host, Georgia's going to host uh, among the power teams there. And you might end up, don't be surprised if you end up seeing UCF maybe going there uh, at one of those sites, maybe even Georgia, as yeah. you know very well. Dan McGill uh, Tennis Complex, yeah. So I it, just look for that as far as possibilities of places where women's tennis might get sent to for the NCAA tournament. And hopefully the men's can kind of uh, – make a run here and sneak in and uh, get into the tournament as well. So I, it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens. It's a very important tournament, very important tournament, I think, to follow here to see if we could get both tennis teams in, which would be kind of surreal. I mean, who would have thought that right. would be even a possibility? The fact that we're even having this conversation of having both tennis programs possibly make the NCAA tournament, I never thought would, would ever see the day. Right. Um, uh, by the way, I wanted to go back. The uh, real quick, women's golf, the tournament selection date is April 25th. So that's one week from uh, the night we're recording this, which is Wednesday. Uh-oh. Men's tennis selection date is May 1st. So uh, mark your calendars there. Um, really? Yes. Uh-huh. Men's tennis um, championships 
by the way, men's golf regionals being uh, one of the regionals being held in Reunion, Florida this year, so that's kind of cool. Um, <clears throat> the men's golf uh, or, or the uh, women's golf finals are in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Uh, men's golf finals are in Carson Creek Golf Club in Stillwater, Oklahoma, as well. Uh, and then let's see, where's uh, tennis here? I'm looking at the NCAA um, events calendar here. Women's tennis, tennis fi- but both yeah, tennis well, finals are going to be at, right? uh, uh, the selection date. You mean? Yeah, my bad. Yeah, I misspoke. I read the wrong thing. Go ahead. Oh, no, yeah. that's okay. The um, the tennis finals for both men and women will be held at Wake Forest, Winston Salem, North Carolina. So, um, so that's that's where they would be going. They're good. We're hopefully UCF is going to be hosting. I think pretty soon, aren't they? Um, 2019, 2019, I believe. yeah. So that, so so hey, 2019, one more uh, year. And, think... then, and and by the way, one other note on men's tennis, Virginia. By the way, who you mentioned is right in that race with UCF to, for that last and final spot in the men's tournament. Virginia are the three-time defending NCAA champions. Last year they yeah. were thirty-four and one. So right, so um, yeah, the, the, the belief is from guys that we both know that follow this sport a lot closer than I do as far as the college games concerned. They don't; they're very skeptical that the committee would leave Virginia out, that mm-hmm. they're going to put them in there to defend their, give them a chance to defend their title. I think is the belief. So my point is, you don't want to leave it up to the committee if you're right. UCF uh, because of that reason. Because I tend to agree with that belief. I don't believe I'd be surprised if Virginia got left out, unless of course Virginia got clobbered. In the ACC, True. so that's True. that's another True. thing that we'd have to figure in there. All right, um, one last thing I did want to get in here. Uh, let's see, got that, got that. Um, track and field, uh, they are heading to Auburn for the War Eagle Invitational uh, outdoor we, event. Yeah, we're playing Auburn in like every sport, aren't we? Yeah, I know. That's, a, that's fine. That's that's fine. I mean, you know, so far it's gone pretty well for us all around. Um, uh, that's a Friday, Saturday invitation. Their uh, American Athletic Conference uh, championship is Friday, May 11th, Saturday, May 12th, Sunday, May 13th, and that's up at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's hosting that. So um, they still have a ways to go before they uh, head to the conference uh, championships there. All right, so, um, so yeah, there's a lot going on with the spring sports, and now's the time when it really gets interesting um, with tennis and golf, and make sure you follow those as well. UCF underscore M tennis, UCF underscore W tennis, track and field, of course. You can follow them as well for all the latest on that. So, all right. Um, real quick reminder well, uh, football, obviously, their um, UCF Festival uh, is taking place uh, this coming Saturday, spring game. Uh, and, uh, well, what's interesting here is they're doing the yard sale. Um, uh, at the Nicholson Fieldhouse, where you can buy like basically, you know, old used UCF stuff, um, you know, things like helmets, shirts, you know, golf shirts, you know, jerseys, those kinds of things. Um, they will have the two. They will have, according to this, two miniature golf courses, an Insta Ramp Kids Skateboard Clinic, food trucks, and several other family-friendly activities. Local musician Keith Eaton takes the stage at two p.m. Headline act Craig Campbell. Craig Campbell, rather, takes the Pacifico Tailgate Concert Series stage at 4.15. A beer garden will be located next to the stage. Uh, kickoff is set for 6 p.m. Um, the, uh, it's, by the way, there's, you know there's a title sponsor for this? The 2018 UCF Football Spring Game presented by Dex Imaging. Well, there you go. All right. Well, you know, hey, look, that's, 
you know, I'll, I'll take it. If Dex Imaging is going to uh, do sponsorship for UCF, I'll take it. Um, and fans will be allowed on the Spectrum Stadium field for 45 minutes uh, after the game for photo opportunities. Uh, they, by the way, they will have, at 5.45, they will unveil the national championship signage uh, before kickoff. Or, well, we call it kickoff, but they're not really going to kickoff. But anyway, um, all lots open a at... signage. Now, you said a signage. Yes, signage. It, not a, not a uh, banner. banner. Not a banner. Okay. I don't see the word banner here. I, now, I, am I, am I assume, assuming this is a banner? I, I don't, maybe they're waiting for, you know, the regular season. Um, but, yeah. Um, who we got? Who we got? We got Murph. I know Murph's there. So I guess we'll have to get somebody to get the photo of this. Yeah. Uh, well, um, Derek is trying to get in there. I got to follow up with Derek, see if he's, see if he's got it. Yeah. But, um, but you know, hope, hopefully we will. Hopefully that'll be fun. So, um, so, yeah, that's the spring game time. Will you be there? No. No, I got. I have a life. You, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I have a life. I'm not like these people. No, no, with all due respect. I mean, really. I mean, Whew, as, I mentioned earlier, as, I, as I mentioned earlier, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, and I will bring this up again. Anytime somebody wants to ask me about this, did anybody that went to the spring game last year left the building saying, "Hey, this is a team that's going to go undefeated and win the Peach Bowl and be a national title team"? I don't think anybody said that coming out of a spring game. Um, so nobody, no, you're not going to, my point is they're not going to learn it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's you're a glorified practice. You know what it is? It's, it's just a little hit to, to, to kind of take the edge off, you know, for the, in you the middle so. of, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah for those the, that don't have a lot in life. the middle of non football season, right? It's just a little bit, you know, we can talk some football, see some, see some, uh, see some exciting plays, you know, you know, but you're you're right. You're not. We're not really going to learn much. Um, you know, my Nothing. hope is that you're not we'll, going to learn anything. You're going to learn I more don't. from practice, and you can't get to practice. You can't see practice, I, which is which I is do, fine. You know, right, right, right. I do wonder too. I've noticed nationally that the spring game has coverage has toned down. Have you not noticed that? Like I felt this year. I was talking to someone about this. Like in the last in the past few years, I would see a ton of spring game coverage, spring games on television, yeah, uh, et cetera. I haven't seen that. that you think much. it's you think we've 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 jumped the shark in terms of spring games, yes, spring football coverage. Absolutely, I think we've jumped the shark on football in general. Uh, I know everybody's <laughs> like, no, I'm saying like and like it's funny. Like Steve Spurrier did his little press conference earlier this week. I know it's a little off topic, but they're doing that. What is that Alliance Football the, League? Uh, the American, the Alliance of American Football, or something like that. Yeah. I mean, that's not going to last. I mean, come on. I, I don't I don't think we are. This is not I don't think people are just appetizing for football 24 seven anymore. I, I really don't. I I think the sports fans different now. I think if you're a football fan, you're, you know, you don't need different leagues to follow football. I think they're going to follow the NFL network and they'll follow whatever. I think everybody's got their niche. Everybody's going to follow what they want to follow. If you want to follow UCF sports all year, you can't. Um, you don't have to wait around and follow other stuff. I, I just. I think we've jumped the shark. I think people are. I, th- I, I think, think college. I, I think college spring coverage has jumped the shark. I I, I think football in general, but yeah, I think the spring chart. I think people realize it really doesn't matter. Well, <laughs> like, I, it, it's well, irrelevant. when you talk about like okay, there's I think there's two forces at play, and and actually this is going to bring me back to that Alliance of American Football thing, okay? Because I want to touch on this really quickly. So the news was, and by the way, our boy Andy Seely was there. Um, Steve well, Spurrier. Right, had his uh, introductory press conference for the Orlando right. franchise that Steve Spurrier is going to be the head coach of. Um, Which they're going to play, I believe. Are they going to play at Spectrum? 
Uh, yeah, 2019 is actually when they're going to start playing. Um, so yeah. they're actually so first of all they're beating the XFL into existence, right. um, which is weird because Charlie I believe Ebersol the Charlie Ebersol that's right who produced the XFL 30 for 30 is the one that's in charge of this league, which is fascinating yeah. that he's literally going head to head with Vince and the XFL, which is really interesting. Well, here, uh, here's, here's what I find that's interesting about the a, about the AAF is that I think that there are two competing forces. The one force that people that pe- I think people focus on heavily is fan interest, right? Because it's a business um, and fan interest is key, um, which I think you're right. I think that it's jumped the shark. I don't think that you know fans are, are like dying for football in the spring right now, especially when you consider how big the NBA's gotten. Baseball is yeah. getting interesting once again after it was down for a little bit. Um, well, for, by the way, here's the thing: um, in or in this market, there's an MLS franchise that's pretty popular, the Orlando right. City. There, that, that's the difference now. There's more at the plate now. Yeah, MLS is gaining in popularity. Then. That's yeah. true. That's right. true. Now, here's the here's the other force that, that that's competing though with that is mm-hmm. the the from a business perspective the the league's need for a developmental platform. Uh, I, I think that it's been the, the general managers and coaches, you know, the ones that I listen to and you know on the radio and podcasts and everything. Whenever you hear them talk about that, they talk about the need since the new collective bargaining agreement in the NFL to have some sort of developmental structure um, outside of the teams. Now, if that means like, you know, you, you each team's develop, you know, their own developmental inside developmental programs, that's one thing, but these sort of spring leagues can sort of help with that because we knew what we knew how that went with, um, with the, with the world league, which later evolved into NFL Europe. There've been several success stories out of that of, uh, of developmental players. And this is where I think the AAF has a little bit of an advantage with it being Charlie Ebersole in charge. By the way, the co-founders are listed as Charlie Ebersole and Bill Polian. Okay? And their front office staff, very interesting here, okay? Head of player relations, Troy Polamalu. Head of football operations, J.K. McKay, brother of Rich McKay, uh, another son of, uh, of John McKay. Uh, head of business, uh, player relations executive, Heinz Ward. Player relations executive, Jared Allen. Board of Directors, Dick Ebersol, Player Engagement Board of Advisor, uh, advi- uh, Board of Advisor Member, Justin Tuck. So there's some former NFL guys who are involved in that. And oh, by the way, Head of Business Operations, Tom Veet. Well, yeah, I know Tom. I know Tom. You know Tom, yeah. In, I know Tom. He was involved with the XFL. Obviously, he did uh, some <laughs> local radio for a little bit. Worked with the Rage uh, back in the XFL yeah. days. He was their general manager, I believe. So sure, sure. So there's right. some there's some heavy hitting former NFL guys who are involved in this, which leads me to believe that the that where the you know I'm I'm just going to say my opinion here, where the XFL seems to sell itself as football for Trump voters, um, the AAF is selling itself as a possible developmental platform. For the NFL, well, I think that's the positive route to go. If your your goal is to be a developmental thing, and maybe the NFL could help you out, assist you a little bit, that could work. If your goal is to be an alternative, then yeah, I agree, it's not going to work. Um, 
Look, I think you're Orlando not going to beat the so, you're not going to beat the 800 pound girl in the room. You're not no, going to beat not, the NFL. No. Stop saying you're going to try. It's not going to work. Now, I, look, Orlando's going to support the team because they've supported all these other teams um, as long as the finances and they have a realistic deal. Um, you know that'll be fine. But here's what, the thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Here's the thing. I think based on the per people you've told me that are involved. If I had to bet money, is their games will probably be on NBC Sports Network, don't you think? I mean, don't you think? Like, I would imagine with everything that Dick with everything that Dick Ebersol has done for NBC Sports, I feel like they'll give him like NBC Sports Network. Like that's got written over, uh, written all over. Yeah, NBC NBC Sports Network with with possibly streaming games through their NBC Sports app. And the other thing that I was yeah. uh, the other thing that I was mentioning though is that if that's the route that they're going to take, that as a developmental league. Mm-hmm. That, that opens up more opportunities for UCF players and to have a team in Orlando in this Mackenzie league. Milton. Yeah. I mean, got, but yeah, guys like Mackenzie Milton, also guys like, you know, Shaquan Burkett, right? I mean, if Shaquan doesn't say Shaquan doesn't get drafted, doesn't latch on with an NFL team, but he's a, he's, he's talented enough where he can play, you know, guys like him, you know, uh, that, you know, if some of those other players, if they don't get drafted, um, they could develop into pretty good pros in a given the opportunity, and uh, and we could definitely see that happen um, through a league like this, especially having a team right here in Orlando playing in Spectrum Stadium, which is the sure. which, which, as far as I understand, is where the Orlando franchise is going to play. Um, that's a that could be a tremendous advantage for expanding UCF's football um, profile in the pros. No question, and I think that if that's the goal, that's the goal. Well, you know, it's kind of like minor league baseball. But if your goal, if you think you're going to get a lot of national attention, you're not going to get it. Um, I agree. You know, like because this this league is going to start when? When would this league be playing? Twenty nineteen is, is when they is when they plan well, to kick the, off. What's um, the month right down there? Is I, it? They, they, I don't think they've said. I, I think right after the Super Bowl. I'm gonna let me double check here. Right, that makes sense. It's probably going to be, let's say it's February to August. That's probably what it is. Well, you got the NBA, which has turned into a machine. I mean, that is a machine. The NBA is clearly yeah. the number two sport in the United States. It's probably the number two sport globally. Uh, I would, some would argue that from a youth standpoint, I think that the NBA is more popular than even the NFL. It's probably the most popular sport in the country. Mm-hmm. So that's going to dominate the national media. You mentioned Major League Baseball. It's still very nationally, it's still relevant as far as television coverage. The NHL playoffs are going on during that time. You have go- I mean, my point is, you got and you got the MLS. You got a ton of options from a sports standpoint. Not to mention. It's not like it was 20 years ago. Now you could be a fan of the NFL, but a, a, a casual sports fan and take the spring off and just enjoy life and yeah. entertainment <laughs> and watch movies and sitcoms. Yeah. You know, it's not like before we're like, man, I need, I need to, I, I just think it's a different culture now than it is. I don't, I, I don't much miss more football. fragmented sports culture. Yeah, these I days, do. I, 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 I do. I think it's everybody's kind of has their niche and everybody's doing their thing. So, but if, so if they go with the right mindset, then that's good. But if they think they're going to have a lot of national attention and coverage, then I got enough, then they're going to, they're going to fail like every other league has. couple of notes here. Um, the, uh, Alliance of American football, they plan on announcing a total of eight teams and their cities by June of this year, they would hold regional drafts. So that's interesting. 
they will have a. Oh, I like that. Well, I like that. Well, that makes a lot of sense. You're going to get a lot of Florida ties playing Mm -hmm. here in Orlando. It makes a ton of sense. That way you have more local people coming to watch your game. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. um, It. uh, Oh, a 10 week regular season starting on February 9th. 2019, which I assume is the is the week after the right Super, after the Bowl. Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, fourteen playoff capped with the league's championship game planned for the weekend of April 26 through 28. So they're getting this thing done before May, um, and they actually have already announced a TV partner, CBS and CBS Sports Network. Wow, that surprises me that NBC didn't jump on that. Yeah, so I wanted to, um, so I wanted to correct CBS. You on that. So I would assume, I would assume the majority of the games will be on CBS Sports Network, and maybe the championship games on CBS. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, right? I, guess I mean, is so. that the thinking? Um, um, let's see. It says the league is uh, also planning uh, player bonuses and, and scholarships. Player bonuses to be based on performance and fan interaction. Players would earn a year's scholarship in post-secondary education for each season of play. Uh, And uh, for the fans, in addition to a fantasy league built into mobile broadcasts, low ticket prices and inexpensive food are planned. So that's nice. Um, They announced uh, broadcast deals with uh, uh, back in March with CBS. Um, the inaugural game and the championship game will both air on CBS. The CBS Sports Network will air at least one game per week. And the league's mobile app will, uh, By the way, here's the fragmentation you're talking about. The league's mobile yeah. app will offer st- live streaming of every game. There you go. That so. makes sense. And I think, too, that's for CBS Sports Network. That's probably going to replace you – know, they carry arena football, which is like really in death yeah, yeah. mode. Uh, yeah. That's, that's, so that's, that's not what it used to be. <laughs> No, no. So it makes a lot of sense. So we'll see so, what happens. I mean, we'll see what uh, happens. And you know what? If it's another avenue for more UCF players to uh, be seen, play, to you know, sure. to, to play, to be in the in a league where they play for pay, as uh, Mike Francesa calls it, then you know what? Excellent. As far as I'm concerned. All right, let's uh, put a bow on this thing, Eric. What do you got coming up this week? Well, I got uh, again. For go to as I mentioned earlier, go to fastpitchnews.com. I've got my latest projection, sixty fourteen field for softball, and uh, I break it all down nationally there. So I'll be doing some fast pitch news. It's crunch time. Going to be covering yeah a lot of that stuff. Obviously, UCF's got the big weekend series with Wichita State. I'll be following. I'll be getting ready for the big Warren I four next weekend. UCF USF. So uh, those are kind of some of the tidbits that I will be work uh, got going on. Cool stuff, and. Uh, by the way, next week, obviously, uh, starting next uh, week with the NFL draft, I'm actually going to be working on some uh, NFL draft stuff for uh, a couple of our uh, for, for some of the UCF players that are expected to be heading into the draft. Um, that you know, so I I did one. I remember I format of a column that I did a couple years ago for Sports Talk Florida that worked really nice. I think we're going to replicate that uh, here as well. So all right, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, thanks once again to uh, Brian Murphy for joining us uh, here on the uh, to talk a little baseball. And thanks again to you, Eric. Thank you, Jeffrey. And where can people find you? Eric Lopez Elo. All right. You can find me at Jeff underscore Sharon on Twitter, UCF underscore Banneret for all of us. And uh, also spokes underscore Murphy for Brian. Be sure to follow him. He'll be working the uh spring game uh, coming up this Saturday as well. Don't forget to visit Black and Gold Banneret for all your latest uh, UCF news uh, and analysis. And also follow us on Facebook. Give us a like. 
and uh, follow us at facebook.com slash black and gold banner. And you can subscribe to this podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and tune in. For Eric and Brian, I'm Jeff. Thanks for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. <laughs>